Welcome to Generally Speaking About the Church. This is episode number one, or el numero uno, for uh, today's special edition. I would like to welcome, uh, first of all, uh, my name is Cliff Ravenscraft, by the way. I guess since it's our first show, I should probably introduce that fact. Uh, Many of you have been listening to our other podcast of the Generally Speaking Podcast Network. We can be found at www.generallyspeakingpodcast.com. I've actually been doing... uh, a weekly Lost podcast, a show devoted to the ABC hit show Lost for the last 20 weeks or so. And uh, we launched another, a second episode or a second podcast um, probably about six weeks ago called My Crazy Life. And my dream of podcasting has always been something like what we're doing now. And this is actually going to be called Generally Speaking About the Church. And the idea is that I would make all my mistakes and learn all the things I need to learn on the other shows so that I could come here and do what my real passion is, and that's talk about the Church of Jesus Christ, and that's what we're here to do now. In fact, I have a uh, special guest with us. He is our worship uh, leader from our church. His name is Alex Diaz, and I'm going to read to you a little bio. It says, uh, Alex was born and raised in Venezuela, where he started a relationship with Christ through the work of American missionaries sent, to, sent by Team Expansion, who discipled and mentored him for almost 13 years. In the summer of 2001, Alex took an internship at the Christian Student Fellowship of Indiana University, where he realized that God was calling him to full-time ministry. Upon returning to Caracas, Alex became actively involved in the worship and teaching ministries of Iglesias Cristiana El Basque. Is that right? El Bosque. El Bosque. Sorry about that. That's good enough. Thank you. Uh, Gracias. (laughs) And decided to transfer from the School of Law of Central University of Venezuela to Cincinnati Christian University, which he did in the fall of 2004. Correct. Prior to his acceptance at CCU, Alex spent his first year in the United States serving as worship leader for the Hispanic Ministry of Central Christian Church in Carmel, Indiana. In 2005, he assumed the position of worship leader for Reality Ministries for First Church of Christ in Burlington, Kentucky, which is the church where I also am involved in ministry. Alex is married to Aaron, a seminary student at Cincinnati Christian University. He is expected to graduate with his bachelor's degree in the fall and hopes to begin his postgraduate studies at the same time. So, Alex, uh, wow, what an impressive uh, introduction and bio there. I'm very glad to have you here. Thank you, likewise. Pretty honored to be here. The reason, uh, now, po- uh, podcasting is something that you're familiar with, is that correct? Yes. Yeah, I'm very familiar with the podcast. I listen to your podcast, your uh, uh, Generally speaking, uh, speaking podcast, and uh, I also listen to uh, Erwin McManus's podcast whenever I have the time. Absolutely. I enjoy uh, Mosaic with uh, Erwin McManus very much. He, he's very much on the edge out there, and I kind of like that. I like that, too. I'm hoping that our podcast not necessarily will be sermon style, but will be on the edge as well. <laughs> but, but never <laughs> too far across the line. Never too far <laughs> across the line. Hey, I just wanted to uh, just bring you here because I am not worship-minded as as perhaps I should be as a Christian. You know, I, I'm very much into the head knowledge and the and the the leadership aspect, the cell group uh, structure, and all of those things when it comes to to my faith. And when it comes to worship, I enjoy taking part in worship uh, on Sundays and during celebration services. But but you know I know in my heart that worship is a lifestyle and and that it's much more than than music and and so what I wanted to bring you here uh, for is to to kind of pick the mind of a worship leader mm-hmm. and to see what kind of things that you have going through your head as you lead people in the in the ministry of worship and, and just off the top of your head do you have any thoughts to give out there on that well yes uh, uh, just now you were talking about the fact that uh, you think that you yourself and, and, and a lot of people out there think that uh, they're not worship minded and the funny thing is that it's not necessarily so and I don't mean to disagree with you in fact I mean to just encourage you in the sense that you are actually worship minded in the sense that 
um, in the Bible, God wants us to uh, all be worshipers, right? right. Jesus told the uh, woman at the at the well that He was looking for worshipers uh, who would worship in spirit and in truth. Absolutely. And so I think that refers not only to people in the band but to people everywhere. So when you are thinking about cell group, when you are thinking about anything that has to do with church, even this podcast that is going to go out and touch um, many hearts, hopefully. Uh, that is a, a way of worshiping God because worshiping is giving glory to Him on your everyday life. Is is being God minded? Absolutely. So being worship minded has to has to do with having God in your heart constantly, into um, you know worshiping beyond uh, a song. And and I'm sure you do that because yeah. uh, I've seen you in in your ministry and I've seen you even on Sunday mornings and 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 I can tell when you are worshiping and other people are worshiping, and it's it's. It's very refreshing to see somebody who can um, not focus necessarily on the band, but just focus on 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 what's going on on God's word being poured down uh, at that moment. Because it basically tells me that it's that uh, people who are able to experience that way are people who have been experiencing it throughout the week, very good, not just on Sunday morning. So that's uh, it, my first thought is then as an encouragement uh, to you in the sense that we are all. God minded, therefore we're all worship minded. I've heard that, and and in fact, you know, when I when I do podcasting, I do it unto the Lord, and when I when I do read and study, I do it unto the Lord, and and when I so so you're you're saying in essence, we can take courage in the fact that that when God commands us to worship Him in spirit, that that when we do things for the benefit and the glory of God and act in in our actions and in what we do, it is in essence worship unto Him. I believe so. I believe. Uh, Actions that are that are, um, or, or or when you have a purpose that has to do with God's kingdom, with God's glory, then then you are being worshipful. Absolutely, because you're you're basically uh, giving that as an offering to God, and and it's not to say that the God needs that. Obviously, God is Almighty, and, and I don't think He actually needs anything, but He gives us the honor for us to be able to offer that to Him. Absolutely, and to come close and to, to him. him. Correct. Yeah, it pleases Him. Very cool. Um, one of the things that I wanted to do is maybe ask you some questions that just, you know, off the top of my head, I typed up a few questions here, Alex. And first of all, did you grow up in a in a Christian home? Uh, yes. Yeah, my family um, my family was Catholic. Uh, well, first of all, I'm from Venezuela, like you, like you said before, and uh, I grew up there. I actually moved to the States a couple years ago. Uh, so I grew up in a Catholic country, and my family was Catholic, and, and uh, even my extended family was Catholic. But uh, when I was eight years old, um, my my mom and dad uh, really seek to have a relationship with the Lord. And um, through uh, uh, missionaries that had gone down there uh, with team expansion, they uh, found a place where they could develop that relationship with Christ. So that happened when I was about eight years old. And uh, before that, you don't remember much. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember much before that. So, uh, yes, I consider myself to be... Uh, uh, raised in a Christian home. Is there a specific moment in your life where where you actually had had made a uh, a decision that was that was a turning point for you? Where at one point in your life, it, it's like perhaps you had known Christ, but but there was just this moment of of some some people call it a salvation experience, and some people say, is was there a day that you were saved? And and I'm not asking, I'm not necessarily going right there with this question but but was there a time in your life where you had just realized an ultimate decision between two paths yes yes i actually did um when i was about uh, 19 years old um i had a very close uh uncle that uh, uh he was going through a really really rough experience in fact the uh, the very last experience that he had in his life because he passed away he developed a brain tumor and uh, he and I were very close. Uh, we had a really good relationship. And uh, prior to that, I had spent a uh, good three or four years uh, away from the Lord. I knew who he was. I respected him, but I just didn't want to have much to do with Jesus or the church or anything like that. And um, uh, when my uncle got that tumor, everything everything went, everything changed, for, not only for me, but everyone in my family. because. Right. Uh, when you see death on the horizon, it makes you think about about what's what's there before that happens. So um, finally, he he after um, uh, about three months of of struggle and and being in the hospital and all that, 
um, he passed away, and that was December the 30th of 1999. So you can imagine everybody was trying to get in the groove of you know the millennium partying kind of a thing, and our, my family was kind of dealing with my uncle's death. Plus, at that time uh, in, in Caracas, um, uh, there was a, a city on the side of the coast that had just experienced a, a, a really big uh, mudslide, yeah. and thousands of people died there. So, so there was a lot of death in the air, right? If that makes sense. It, oh it's, yeah, it's like the the environment was tense. And, and well, I'm sure you know because you, recently you went through an experience like that, and yeah. it's in it's fact, hard to see somebody pass away. Yeah, in fact, uh, our listeners of of the podcast network, um, my crazy life, uh, Stephanie and I, and, and now still in the Lost Podcast, Stephanie and I have allowed ourselves to be very open and vulnerable to our listeners, and and we've explained to them about the passing of Stephanie's grandmother recently, and and uh, and the days leading up to that, and also I don't know that. I have told you, or if you've seen it in the blog, but somebody very close uh, that I had been working with at, a, at one of my insurance companies uh, was involved where her husband had uh, murdered her and committed suicide. And so death in the air, suspense, intention, I definitely uh, can sympathize with. And, and luckily I had the perspective on this side of yes. of, of having the hope that's there and stuff. Yeah. But yes, I, I can see that that was something that probably caused you to bring your faith and existence of God into question. Yeah, well, at that point, uh, when he passed away, he didn't leave much behind. He was he was actually very poor. He was a very, very smart man, which I really admire, and uh, I kind of wondered what his legacy was, uh, and then I wonder about my own legacy, you know, how much, how much stuff do I want to leave behind for my kids or other people or whatever, but then I realized that... Um, Whatever treasures I would leave behind are not compared or cannot be compared with all the treasures that Jesus Christ can actually give a person. Because whatever I leave is going gonna, is gonna, to uh, vanish at some point. Absolutely. If it's money, if it's uh, just, I don't know, a house or whatever. And, and those are important things and those are great things. But I realize whatever I do, whatever I do when I have to leave behind is not going to do much. And then I realized there is somebody who has actually done something for me that transcended uh, time. Yes. And he did it 2,000 years ago, and it still affects me today. And it allows me to just give up and say, you you live in me, and you leave somebody uh, that will help people eternally without me being in the picture. So that idea of uh, of letting him lead my life was, was what, what kind of... Uh, allowed me to to move on and to really say from now on I, I am gonna be a serious follower of Christ now that's something that it's easy to say and it's hard to do and I and I can't say right now that I'm a perfectly good Christian or anything like that but it did make me realize that's what I want to do absolutely in fact I, I, I going on this perfectly good Christian which I, I've not met one um, yet <laughs> and since 1991 when I first gave my life to Christ I, I, I've not met a perfectly good Christian uh, but but in Andy Stanley in a book that I read um, talked about one of the things uh, they ask uh, in their philosophy of when they do church or when they plan and structure things uh-huh. they ask themselves what do they want their members to do and where do they want members to go and where do they want members to become and one of the things they said is, is they said there was this whole discussion of whether or not they should put that we want to we want to uh, do things to where people will become mature believers and followers of Christ mm-hmm. and they said that's impossible because there's no such thing as obtaining maturity correct it, it's it's we <clears throat> want people to be growing and maturing in their relationship with Christ and at that point you can invite anybody into your church and have them be a part of it because even if you're a non-believer mm-hmm. somebody who's investigating the faith right. if if you're growing closer and you're maturing in your understanding and your relationship with Christ even without yet accepting him you're still fulfilling the mission of that church and i just thought that was great yeah i agree i think uh it makes a lot of sense actually we we had a, a friend of mine from venezuela over uh, at our house uh uh, last week, and we had a lot of good conversation about this subject because he 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 likes uh, the idea of having a relationship with Christ, but uh, having been brought up brought up in a in a, in a strong Catholic culture, um, uh, you end up thinking that that when you actually have a relationship with Christ, whether it is through a Catholic uh, 
church or setting or through a Protestant of whatever denomination that you have to be excellent, that you have to be good. And and it, I mean, it's not such a such a wrong idea. God does call us to be holy. He says, Absolutely. "Be holy as I am holy." But I think. Uh, it has to do more with what you're saying, with the fact that we we strive to become holy. We're con- we're continually maturing. So, uh, uh, we we kind of presented that idea to to my friend, and it made a lot of sense to him. You could you could actually sense that he rested, that he yeah. you know before that his first argument was I'm, I can't be a perfect Christian. Uh-huh. You know I can't have the perfect life. And I was like, welcome, my friend. Neither can I. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, there, you know, that's that's funny because my background, my religious background, more comes from a Wesleyan Armenian uh, theology, and 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 I, I say Wesleyan because people may have heard of John Wesley. Correct. Not many people know of the Nazarene Church per se, and, and yes. which is an offshoot of the Methodist Church that John Wesley saw, uh, started. But my Nazarene background goes very deep into Wesleyan theology, which talks about the second work of grace, which is this thing called sanctification or perfection of love and right. and, and and of a holy living, where you have completely crucified the and and you are dead to sin, and, right. and that you can live this perfect life. And and so coming out of that, there I'm a, I'm an extremist, I guess you would say. I'm <laughs> sometimes I, I I fall on the extreme of. I want to be perfect and holy, and sometimes I just want to go to the other extreme and say I'm a sinner and I'm saved by grace, and <laughs> and and you're just going to have to deal with me, and 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 I struggle with that, and and there's got to be some balance in there, but you know we're we're not into this podcast for heavy theology, mm-hmm. so uh, but you did bring something up, and, and I'm going to ask a controversial question. It has absolutely nothing to do with worship leading. That's fine. But um, I've been listening to a podcast for the last, oh gosh, maybe three months now. Mm -hmm. And it is by far my favorite podcast, bar none, and probably will always be. Okay. And I don't know if you've ever heard of it or heard me mention it, but it's called uh, The Daily Breakfast. I don't think I've heard of it It, It's by a gentleman uh, named, well, it's by a priest in the Netherlands. Okay. And his name is Father Roderick, uh-huh. and uh, anybody that wants to check it out, he has—he's actually doing similar to what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually started much earlier than I did, and in fact, he's been a great inspiration for me in the ministry of podcasting. I see. He started this thing called the uh, SQPN, which is the StarQuest Podcasting Network, <laughs> and he does the secrets of Harry Potter, the secrets of Star Wars. He talks about secular uh-huh. things out there, yes. but from his religious perspective. Yes, and. Uh, um, and and it's been really great. He has he probably has close to twenty thousand listeners around the world, which is amazing. Wow! And he does this thing called the Catholic Insider. Now he is a he he went to seminary. He went to the training. He he he's been trained by the Catholic Church, and so he is very heavy into some theology in some of his discussions. But he does this thing called the Catholic Insider, which he doesn't just beat you over the head with. He just shares it in a normal way. Okay. And then the Daily Breakfast is just this awesome. It's a little bit of a hodgepodge of everything. <laughs> And I just love listening to him. And now I I went to Catholic school uh-huh. from second grade through seventh grade. Okay. Monday through Friday, I attended mass. And I know our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy yes. kingdom come. Thy will. And I know Hail Mary, full of grace. <laughs> I, I I know those things. And and, right. and and so I've been a part of the Catholic culture in the United States. Mm-hmm. Now when I w- when I became a Christian, when I became saved, if you will. Uh, and, and gave my life to the Lord. I've been to various different Protestant churches mm-hmm. now, and I've also listened to a lot of radio Christian broadcasting of sermons on some Christian stations. Okay. There are pastors and there are preachers that go out there and tout that that the the Catholic Church is the church mentioned in the Revelations, and uh-huh. and that it's the it's it's going the Catholic Church is going to give rise to the Antichrist, and <laughs> and that. You know, and 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 people give it such a heart. The Catholic Church, the Catholic Church. Listen to me. I don't know what accent <laughs> we are in Kentucky. So. <laughs> that would be the Catholic Church. <laughs> so anyway, um, but it, they 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 give the Catholic Church such a hard time because of their veneration of the Mother Mary and the saints and praying to the saints and right and, and get so caught up on their their differences. I want to ask you, mm-hmm. coming from Venezuela, you say it's a Catholic country. Yes. I'm geogra- geographically illiterate, by the way. <laughs> My question, though, coming from a Catholic country, yes. 
coming in, being called into ministry in that culture mm-hmm. and coming to America, have you seen the hostility towards the Catholic Church in the Protestant m- movement here at all? Um, somewhat, somewhat. The, the, the problem is that, um, from my perspective, the Catholic Church here seems to, seems to have a sort of a different uh, way of practicing Catholicism uh, than it does in, in South America. Okay. So, so I do see that gap, but I see a bigger gap in the in, in South America where I come from. So when I come coming from that and then moving here to the states, uh, I I do see those things, but they're not new. If that okay. makes sense. Now, whenever I see those things, it's more about doctrinal issues, like you were mentioning, uh, worshiping of saints, or uh, for example, in school uh, we learn a lot about. Um, uh, communion, you know, and the ideas of transubstantiation or consubstantiation, or uh, which which means literally the bread and the wine are the body and blood of Christ. Yes, I mean that's what transubstantiation. No, I, I, is. for for our for our, our listeners who yes. don't know, I, I just want to <laughs> just so you know, just the in layman's term or in non even non layman's term, just basic. I'm investigating what Cliff's talking about with his whole Christian faith thing. We have this <laughs> body. We have the Lord's Supper, which we celebrate, and we remember Christ and his and we do a sacrament or a, a, a gosh I got to get rid of this Christianese wording that I use all the time we we take uh, bread and we take wine or in the Protestant churches we even actually go down so far as to non-alcoholic grape juice and and we we remember the Lord's supper the last supper that the Lord had with his disciples where yes. he said take this bread and think of me it's my body broken for you yep. and and what we've taught what we're mentioning here is that the catholic church actually believes that once they bless that bread and it's it's been uh, venerated and, and brought into the Catholic Church and held in their altar. That that when they take of the the literal the bread, it, they're actually partaking of the physical body of Christ right. and the physical blood of Christ when they drink of the cup. Correct. And and in the Protestant Church, we don't believe that. We believe it's more of a symbolism. So yes. he, that's the doctrinal difference he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. And and that's the kind of discussion that that you that. Uh, that is shown to us, which is this is what the Catholic Church believes, and this is what we believe. However, it doesn't become; it's not. I wouldn't use the word uh, hostile. Okay. Uh, when they show us that in school, it's more so that we can be aware and informed of what's out there and how the uh, how the discussion has taken place between one and the other. Fair Whereas right. in South America, it's more of a cultural discussion, in the sense that whenever somebody who's Catholic could be nominal Catholic, could be practicing Catholic, but they know that you are a Protestant, uh, most times they will immediately label you as a brainwasher or as a door knocker, you know, kind of uh, just whatever labels you can find, they're going to do that. Right. Um, so, so it was surprising, to tell the truth, to come here and see that, that it's very clear, uh, at least from, from what I've seen, that you know, people's, people see the gap and they say, these are the two sides. Yes. This is what's going on. And they tell you to choose. Well, yes. They tell you to choose. They tell you where to go. However, I, I will say this. When I was in Indiana University doing the uh, internship I did, it was just the summer in uh, 2001, I believe. We were in this ministry. It was called Christian Student Fellowship. Uh-huh. And, and, and by Christian, uh, it was a non-denominational ministry. But I did meet this uh, a Catholic girl there. Great girl, great person, and and she was completely comfortable with with Christian practice within this ministry. Uh, she was involved in leading small groups. She was involved in, in in worship. She was involved in a lot of things. And for the first time, I saw somebody who was not bothered by Protestant ideas or didn't even care about that. Right. And so one day, I, I said, "Let's sit down and talk about this," because I it, it's curious for me coming mm. from another country. And and she basically said, "I'm just." My only concern is to have a relationship with Christ. My only concern is to love him the way he wants me to love him. Right. And other than that, you know, Catholicism, uh, Protestantism or whatever, that's something that I, I'll get on later. Right. And it made a lot of sense to me, even though I still believe uh, personally that uh, uh, doctrinal Catholicism does have uh, a different idea than what we have and, and sometimes even, uh, I would say, uh, wrong or faulty? Uh, Absolutely, by our own opinion. Absolutely, yeah, that, by and, my own. Opinion. And, and, and my 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 opinion agrees with yours. Exactly. However, 
it was so refreshing to find somebody who could say that and it, it made me it made me think you know Martin Luther was Catholic yes I believe uh, uh, other people that were involved in the Reformation you know they, they were in the Catholic we're, Church and they developed we're, uh, go ahead. we're called Protestants for some for one reason and that's because yes. we protested against that faith and, and so we are a branch of the Catholic Church no matter which faith exactly. you come from exactly so it's it, it, I, I thought about that too I thought you know we all came from the same branch you know we all had the same name at some point and, and now there are differences and, and it made me think gosh sometimes we end up thinking so much about doctrinal differences when the first thing I mean Jesus said he said I am the way the truth and the life and, and, and nobody comes that. to the Father except through the Catholic Church is not there. Exactly. <laughs> or, 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 or the Nazarene Church, correct. or the Church of Christ, or any of those exactly, other ones. Exactly, exactly. So yeah. it makes you think, you know, yes. there's people out there that don't, I mean, denomination and, and you know, it's, it's, it's all secondary, it seems to me. Although, yes, the Bible calls us to have sound doctrine. Yes. And to, you know, Absolutely. grow and be holy and know his word and all that, but First and foremost is that relationship with Christ. And I saw it in that girl here in the United States, and that was a great thing for me to and, see. And first and foremost is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and understanding, all that stuff. Correct. Okay? Yes. And and then people want to go straight into doctrine. Yes. But the problem is, is the second greatest commandment is that you love one another. Exactly. Love your neighbor as yourself, even if they disagree with you, yes. even if they're wrong. Yep. The So we're, we're going to get off the Catholic thing. Uh, and so I, 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 I think that was excellent discussion. And that's why we call the, the, the name of our podcast is Generally Speaking. Yes. Because we can just jump all over the place. And exactly. there's just nothing to tie exactly. us back. And I love this. <laughs> I'm going to have to have you back again. <laughs> well, that's fine. I'd love to be back. <laughs> so uh, we'll have to have Alex as a regular. Uh, back on, on you for just a moment. When did you first learn how well how many instruments do you play do you just play the guitar what do you what do you play no i, I play uh, i play bass uh, a little bit i play um uh, a little bit of keyboards okay uh i play a typical venezuelan instrument that's called a cuatro which means a four it's called a four because it has four strings <laughs> and is that kind of like a, a guitar ba- bass guitar or just imagine like a ukulele uh-huh somewhat uh it's it's a smaller kind of guitar-ish. Do you have one of those? I do have one of those at home. You need to bring it in the next time and we'll listen to some quattro (laughs) playing. And I also play uh, Latin percussion. I play the congas and the bongos and all that. Very cool. What what was the first instrument you picked up? Guitar. And at what age did you pick it up? Twelve. I was twelve years old. Now let me ask you this. Were you one of those people that sat there and for hours tried to learn how to play this thing or when are you one of those sickos that just picked it up strummed a couple times and the next thing you know you're just playing songs <laughs> you've heard all your life no 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 I, I had to study a lot for it uh, it's funny you ask that because I have this uh, you know how some people will say um, musicians are born musicians and other people will say musicians have to work to be musicians and I think it's both uh-huh. um, in my case I was more the kind of guy that had to work a lot you know, to get to be as mediocre as I am now. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I, I had a great teacher at 12, and then I, uh, I joined a, um, uh, an academy, a music academy, and I stayed there for about four or five years. Right. I can't remember now. At what point did you say, I might want to do this for the Lord? Uh, well, it was about the same time that, I, that, I, um, that my uncle died, and I realized that I, that I have eternal life and that, you know, uh, being with Christ was the best thing ever. And uh, at, at that point, I actually had been playing at the church for two or three months because I was subbing for uh, someone, okay. for a guitar player. And um, uh, my youth minister actually came to me and, and uh, he said, you know, if you want to do this uh, more often, you're you're welcome to do it. And and uh, in my mind, it kind of sounded like a challenge, you know. Like, right. Yeah, it's my time to show these people what I'm made of. and. Uh, God ended up showing me what he's made of and 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 humbling me and that was a great experience uh, right. so it was I must have been like nineteen uh, uh, when I realized that I wanted to do that so it it, it progressed slowly uh, at first I just wanted to join and play whenever and then I wanted to be a regular and then after that I wanted to uh, lead worship and and my my minister back at home Johnny die. Uh, he was he was very good in, in mentoring me and uh, giving me space so that I could do that 
um, whenever he was in the States or even when he was there, he would just be content with, with playing the back so that I could have the opportunity and um, later other opportunities came. Very cool. Um, now, you said you, that was when you were 19. Uh, may I ask how old you are now? I am 25. You're 25. Um, now, here's a question for you. At, obviously, in, in Venezuela, they, they probably speak Spanish as their native tongue. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. At what point did you learn uh, to speak English? I must have been uh, about 10 or 11. I okay. can't really remember because it all happened, um, well, you know, going to the church. Uh, like I said, my family started going to the, the church uh when when I was eight, and this church was uh, founded by American missionaries, so uh, they would speak English with each other. They all speak Spanish, and they did back then. But so they would speak English to each other, and I wanted to know if they were talking about me. Uh-huh. So I paid a lot of attention, and and after that, you know, with school and then cable, we got a lot of English television and, okay. and movies and all that. So it kind of uh, it kind of grew from there. Okay. Then the next question I wanted to ask you was. Coming from worship in a South American country, mm-hmm. walking into s- some of the worship experiences or s- celebration services yes. here in the states, what do you see that's different? Well, there's the, that's a great question because it, it involves a lot of cultural differences as well. Um, as, um, Hispanics. Uh, we are usually lively people, and we like to party, and we like to, you know, in Venezuela, for example, uh, they say in other countries of Latin America, of Venezuela, that whatever excuse we get to party or to do something together, we're going to take it. So the same thing uh, kind of bleeds into the church, meaning uh, people are very, very lively in, in their worship, uh, very spontaneous. Like uh, lively. What do you tell? I mean, well, tell you me know, some you, things that you see. You'll see people, uh, for the most part, uh, you'll see people, you know, who, well, first of all, they don't mind singing to the top of their lungs if they're, if they're out of tune. Okay. Um, well, that, I, I, I must, I might fit in there. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, well, I don't know. People are a lot, uh, they're very lively. They're very spontaneous. Do they, they dance? Um, not in my church. Okay. Uh, but, you know, they, they're, they don't really have a problem with the, uh, the idea of what's what are others going to say about me doing this or that doesn't really exist that much. Okay. Although it does in some, especially in, in, in older men, you know. Um, but uh, for the most part, young people, whatever, they don't care. Right. So they will go and, and you know, just, uh, just freely um, lift their hands up and sing out loud and perhaps cry or kneel down or whatever. And that's, that's refreshing. Yeah. Um, whereas here in the States, uh, it seems to me that, that, uh, uh, we, and I'm going to say we, because I live here now, um, uh, we're a lot more concerned about what the other people are, are going to say if they see us. I agree with you. Lifting up our hands or something. Absolutely. In fact, um, now my, my history, uh, growing up through, through within the church, it came from mostly a Nazarene background. When I was 15 years old, um, I went to this uh, Pentecostal church. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very, very charismatic. Uh-huh. I mean, these were what some people would call holy rollers. <laughs> and I, I was never really bothered by that. It kind of embarrassed me if I invited a friend okay. to come with me who had never experienced it before. I'd kind of get a little embarrassed uh, when somebody would shake spasmodically and fall on the floor and pass out. Right. Uh, and, and start screaming and hollering while they speak in tongues. That kind of, it never bothered me when I was there. I never really got involved in those kind of things. But I always enjoyed enjoyed going there uh-huh. because I could lift my hands I could clap I could sing off key really loud and right. and if I wanted to put a little you know a little tap in my foot or whatever I, I could do that and, <laughs> right. and not really feel out of place right and and I, that's one of the things that kind of led me to to the style of worship that we have at our in our ministry at reality it is that that it's not charismatic such as you know some of the things that particularly I don't have in my doctrinal beliefs is of speaking in tongues and stuff, and I don't have it against anything against those who do. Right. Uh, but but anyway, I I don't speak in tongues and I don't uh, do the slain in the spirit stuff personally. Right. right. But but at the same time, I don't want to just sit there yes. and let people sing to me. I want to mm-hmm. sing unto the Lord, and yet even sometimes I myself get caught up in worrying about what people next to me say. Yeah. Sometimes the tears can can come and flow with no problem at all. Sometimes the, the one in the Nazarene church, I don't know if you know this, it, 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 it's, it's not a spoken rule, uh-huh. okay? But in the Nazarene church, 
you can raise a hanky and wave it in the air and scream at the top of your lungs and run up and down the aisle. Wow. And and you can and you can and when you're if you're going to stand still, mm-hmm. and this is all unwritten by the way. Okay. If you're standing in worship, you can raise one hand if you're singing. But in the Nazarene church, if you ever raise two hands together uh-huh. and you're not running uh-huh. or waving hankies, uh-huh. then you're charismatic and you need to go to find another church or something, <laughs> I think. It, it's kind of weird, that unwritten rule. <laughs> but sometimes I just, you know, I, there are times when I feel like I want to just run up and down the aisle and scream yeah. hallelujah or whatever. And, right. and And I just know that that would just not go over too well. People would... <laughs> <laughs> They're like, right? They they would. They, I, I, some band members might even actually stop playing. It's like <laughs> somebody call nine one one. Yeah. So Cliff is running. <laughs> somebody stop him. Well, it, I mean, it raises a great discussion because, um, I mean, we could talk about many things in this subject. We could talk about uh, doctrinal issues, you know, order in the church, mm-hmm. um, speaking in tongues, and all that stuff. But I I've, I've realized at some point that um. Uh, that sometimes it, it comes down to judgment, mm-hmm. and and sometimes that might not be such a good thing. Right. And and, and this is why I think about it. I have a friend in in Venezuela, a very very close friend of mine. He's a minister down there, and uh, he was he was telling me that we were at the, when we were at a retreat out there. Um, uh, we were you know in the middle of the night worshiping and and to the music and all that, and and so he was he was just. You know, putting his attention in the, in, in the music and the lyrics, and, and then he looked to his right and he saw this lady, um, uh, kind of you know dancing and whatever. And in our churches, even though we're lively, uh, I, I barely ever ever have seen um, uh, people actually you know uh, being slain in the spirit. I mean, because we're not Pentecostal, right? Um, or charismatic, I should say. Sure. Not that I have anything against that, right. but, absolutely, but we're not. So. Yeah. Uh, so he looked at her, and 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 so he he thought, you know, what is she doing? And since he was in, in, in worship and in prayer, he, he it's it's like he felt himself or, or he heard himself saying that to God. God, what is she doing? You know, she's going all crazy here next to me, and there's no need for that. And he felt in his heart that God said, "What are you doing looking at her?" when you should be looking at me. So when he told me that, it made me think a lot of things in that regard because sometimes um, uh, we do think about, you know, the, the issue of a church and being charismatic or not, or not being charismatic or or even instrumental or not, non-instrumental when yeah. at the end it all comes down to, to a matter of the heart. So when I am more comfortable when something like that happens uh, just because people really, really love the Lord and they can't contain themselves. I don't know if you've seen. In reality, I've seen it. I've seen it sometimes, and I've seen it in other places. You're playing, a, a, you know, a, a song of worship, a soft song, uh, you know, that that talks about a, a redemption or going back to Christ. And and usually those kind of songs talk to some people and touch. It touches their hearts, and you will see them, you know, crying, and they can't contain themselves. And somehow for me that's okay, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like, gosh, if you really feel like you need to be clapping or, or you need to be kneeling before the Lord, and you can't contain it, then good. Now, what I do have a problem with is when you are being taught to do those things. Yes, because there are places out there that teach you that if you don't do those things, then either you don't have salvation or. Uh, you don't have the Holy Spirit or mm-hmm. just a thousand things. I don't think that's true. I think the person that is worshiping with his hands in, in his back and he's just thinking and reflecting on the lyrics, as long as his heart is in it, he is worshiping just as much as the person next to him who's, I don't know, clapping and, and dancing a little bit. And, and it's not for us to judge. Now, we do see those things, you know, right. being being on the stage, and I don't like that word on the stage, but... It, yeah. Geographically is, what, is where I'm at, you know. Yeah. Um, you see things like that, and then you see the person who's just looking up. And it, it's like everybody's on their own journey, and spiritually they have their own their own place and their own uh, growth and maturity. Um, I myself, you know, worship in different ways and different sure. situations. And ultimately, you know, you want to do what gives glory to God. And one of those things, uh, by the way, is that we should not be... Uh, uh, how do you call this a um, um, an obstacle 
yeah for for other people's growth absolutely um so when we become that i think god prefers that we uh maintain order and maintain a level that we will meet people where they're at so that's that's why i think there there should be a level of order in the church um paul talks about that a little bit in first yeah. corinthians uh, uh um uh, 13 and 14 when he's talking about tongues and prophesizing and all that and he's saying we need to have order especially for the people who come because if, if they see a big disaster um, they're going to be scared away whereas yeah. they need to be able to listen to the word of God and not only the non-believer the seeker but also the believer who's growing because yeah. you know maybe there's somebody who spiritually is like a baby you know and, and, and they need their milk and somebody who spiritually is like an adult and they need their meat that they're always growing and they always have their way of showing their worship to God. Very cool. That's my sermon for today. <laughs> it, it was, and uh, amen, brother. Um, I'll tell you, uh, I, w- I was wanting to get into the the area of um, uh, cell group ministry and stuff like that and your involvement and so far, but I'm going to definitely have to have you come back uh, because what I want to do is I, I want to end the show with uh, – with what you do for our ministry, and and that is not just worship, but but you actually worship, lead us in music and worship. And uh, Alex has been kind enough to bring his guitar, and and we have rigged up more wires than you can ever imagine to <laughs> to make this work with our home studio. Yeah, here. you should actually do a podcast on how to plug a guitar with no cables at all to the board. <laughs> it is funny looking. It was great. It was. I was impressed. I'll tell you the truth. <laughs> My respects to you. It was great. <laughs> so uh, we we have this high fidelity equipment here, and uh, we're ready to go. Uh, Alex, I'm going to ask you, um, what do you want to play for us first? Uh, well, you asked me for to do a song or two in Spanish, and there are a couple of songs that I want to do, uh, and I want to talk about. Um, uh, they're very close to my heart. Um, first of all, we have this song that it's called. Uh, I want to I want to hear uh, your sweet voice. Um, the lyrics. It, it's very short. And it doesn't really have much lyrics, and I like it that way because it allows for repetition and it allows for people to learn it quickly and relate to it. And the song says, I want to listen to your sweet voice breaking the silence in my being. I know that it's going to make me tremble. It's going to make me either cry or laugh, and I will fall uh, before you. And then the chorus says, I cannot be before you and listen to you talk without bawling like a child. Um, and I would spend my time just doing that without needing or wanting anything else except to listen to you talk. And, and the reason I'm saying it's close to my heart is because I've, I've experienced that to an extent. The fact that when you feel God talking to your life um, through his word, you know, through his peace in your heart, um, you realize that there's nothing better uh, that you could be doing. You right. know, and, and, and I think that's somewhat what we're going to experience when we're in, in heaven. So uh, it goes like this. Quiero escuchar tu dulce voz rompiendo el silencio en mi ser sé que me haría estremecer me haría llorar o What else do you have for us? Um, well, I have this song. Uh, it's by um, Tim Hughes, and it, it's called uh, "Whole World in His Hands." Oh, I love that song. Um, it's it's a great song because again, I, I like him short uh, in, in lyrics. Although I, I do a lot of songs that have a lot of lyrics because they they say a lot, obviously. But this song, um, 
uh, allows for for um, that time of connection. You know, when sometimes when you have a lot of lyrics, uh, you have people focusing a lot of what, it, what it's saying, and it's not such a bad thing. But I also like songs that give you space yeah. to um, to communicate with God and to receive from Him and to give Him um, and to think about the lyrics and. I remember when I first, um, you actually, uh, I had borrowed uh, some songs from you and and listened to this for the first time on my own before you played it uh, and during one of our celebration services, and and it just really blessed me when I heard it, and and I and I, I remember the first time you played it at Reality for our celebration service, and and it just meant so much more to me because I had already been able to soak in what the words meant and 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 the message that's in it, and. And it's just, it, it's a very good song, so let's, let's listen. is an awesome song. I love that. So anyway, we said that we were going to play a song to sh- to close out the show, one more Spanish song, but uh, we- our children came down and kind of interrupted things for a little bit. Uh, but what we're going to do is just go ahead and close out with a word of prayer, and I want to say thank you first off to Alex for taking time out of your busy week. and Thank, thank you. Appreciate it. I thank your wife, Erin, for allowing you to come over and <laughs> podcast with me. Hello, Erin. And... Uh, <laughs> And uh, is it possible that that your friends and family from Venezuela might go to the website and download this episode? Uh, yes, they could. They could. I, and I can tell them to do that. Yeah. So uh, hello. Now, it's, they won't be able to understand anything. That's oh, they don't speak English. <laughs> no hablo inglés. There you go. There we go. <laughs> All right. So anyway, uh, we, we're going to close in a word of prayer. Father, I just want to thank you and give you praise uh, for your gift of salvation to us. And Jesus, I want to thank you for friends like Alex that, that, 
that show me how small this world is that you've created in the grand scheme of things. Uh, Lord, I thank you for bringing him and his talents to our ministry. I thank you for his heart and passion for you and music and worship of you. Lord, I I just uh, ask that your blessings be upon him as he does his studies at Cincinnati Christian University and uh, his wife as well, and just ask that that you would continually to uh, help them to mature and grow in faith, and myself as well. Uh, just uh, what a blessing it is to have known him and to get to know him, and uh, looking forward to doing ministry together. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to do this podcast that that when I started it out just 20 weeks ago, to, to think that I might have two or 300 people listening one day uh, would have just blown my mind. And and to know that, Lord, there are over 7,000 people who listen to the Generally Speaking Podcast Network. Uh, God, I have no idea why you've entrusted me uh, with with this uh, technology and with this word, but I, I thank you for, for giving me the ability to to speak your message in kind and caring and non-threatening ways uh, so that I may always be prepared to give the reason for the hope that I have and that I may do it at all times with gentleness and respect. Thank you again for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Razón de vivir en medio de mil preguntas, tu amor me respondió, y ahora veo la luz y ya no. Tu reino vino a mi vida y ahora vivo para ti, cantaré de tu amor, rendiré mi corazón ante ti, tú serás mi pasión. Y mis pasos se guiarán por tu voz, mi Jesús y mi Rey. De tu gran amor cantaré, cantaré de tu amor, rendiré mi corazón a You have been listening to... Gently thinking about the church with my dad, Cliff Lambenscraft. You can visit us on the web at www.gentlyspeakingpodcast.com. We will love your feedback. Call or listening nine at 413-521-0958. Now again is... Thanks for listening.